Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Shore. 72-hour non-stop protection, tested to the limits. Shore, it won't let you down. Hello everyone, you're all very welcome to the All-Ireland Hurling Final Preview Show, uh, brought to you by Shore, 72-hour protection. Uh, it's our first preview show of the year, and uh, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Galway Star and the PWC Hurler of the Month for June, Connor Whelan. How's it going, Connor? How are you? All good. Not too bad now, not too bad. So how are you after the last day? Um, are you the type that watches the game back to kind of to, to forget about it kind of a thing? Or do you, do you kind of just try and try and move on? Uh, probably a bit of both. I haven't, haven't watched it back yet now, but um, yeah, we'll definitely, maybe maybe later on in the year, we might, we might uh, my parents, I was around to watch it, right? But uh, look, it obviously massively disappointed. Um, Probably felt we're in a decent position in half time, and um, you know, obviously Limerick, Limerick managed to, I suppose, wrestle control of the game, and and I suppose we never really managed to manage to take it back. I suppose really, it's a tough thing to do. I'd say watching games back, especially after you're, you're after losing. Yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be huge into it myself now. Really, um, probably just, I suppose, um. Definitely wouldn't be looking back at once, I suppose, throughout the course of the of the championship. But when it comes to, I suppose, semi-finals and stuff like that, um, yeah, I, I, I suppose it it probably won't won't look for great viewing. But um, yeah, sometimes you have to just just grin and bear it, I suppose, really. But really, we definitely won't be doing it anytime soon, anyways. Yeah, I suppose it's something. At times, you can you can maybe learn from things, maybe. At the start of next year, or something like that might be might be a, a better time. Like, do you find video analysis in general beneficial, or is it uh, kind of be a bit over overdone? Um. Yeah. No. I, I think it's definitely beneficial. I think you know, even from the game itself, I'd say there's probably things I'm thinking in my head at the time that will probably play out differently when I watch it back. So yeah, look at it. It's obviously very informative that way, and I suppose there's there's any amount of stats and stuff out there that you can get and uh, 
you know, I suppose if if that's the type of player you are, but uh, for me, I suppose really I, I wouldn't be huge into, I suppose I'd, I'd look at a game and watch the clips back and see if there's anything that I could have done differently and could have improved on. And I think, you know, that's probably, probably is as far as it goes, I suppose, really. Were Limerick just a, a different kind of a beast in, in the second half to what they were in the first half? Or would you put it down to a bit of maybe ye running out of steam? Um, no, I definitely don't think we ran out of steam, to be honest. I think, you know, any team that's training since last November, you, you know, it's kind of hard to see how you how we'd run out of steam, to be honest. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think we we prepared, you know, very well for the game and we felt, you know, very confident in our abilities. And, uh, you know, there's there's massive belief in that group. But it's just, um, yeah, look, I suppose at half time we probably... Probably could have been could have been more ahead, but uh, you know, credit to Limerick, the team they are, they managed to I suppose grind it back to one or two points at half time, and then um, you know went out in the second half, and I suppose you know Limerick just managed to control that middle third, and uh, you know that's probably the the single biggest learning that'll be taken from it is you know when we do watch it back, I suppose is trying to understand how could we've managed that differently, and what could we have, what could we as individuals, and what could we as a collective have done differently, I suppose, really. So do you think, like, just say if you're Kilkenny this weekend, like, did Limerick, when they take over that middle third like they so often do, is it kind of, is it them increasing their tackling, increasing their intensity kind of a thing? Or what What, what do you put it down to? Because they often come with that kind of a second half surge right at the second half that can, can blow a lot of teams out of it. I know they did it with Tipperary twice or three times down through the years. Um, yeah, look, I suppose there's probably a multitude of factors in it, really. I suppose, you know, they, they kind of, I suppose, sent more bodies into the middle third there. And, um, you know, what that meant then was that I suppose our, our puck outs was, was a, I suppose there was a, a mass of bodies there. And, um, you know, I suppose they're, they're a very strong and physical outfit as well. And, um, yeah, I suppose it's probably a massive, a massive learning for us in terms of, I suppose, looking at it and seeing what. What could we have done differently? And you know, I, I have no doubt that, that um, that the cats will be looking at that and 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 seeing, I suppose, what could they do differently as well and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, look, I suppose it's you have to you have to stand back and and give Limerick, I suppose, credit for for the way they went about it. And uh, you know, we just have to have to digest that that we didn't handle that and. Um, you know, that's just something that we have to spend the winter, I suppose, trying to mm-hmm. trying to figure out, I suppose, really. Yeah. Henry was uh, after the match he was he was talking and he he was asked, do you know, did he kind of see progress? And and he said, you know, it's hard to see it at, at the time being when you're after losing at the same stage. But he did say that he thought that, you know, in his second year the team were a little bit closer together and that there was uh improvements that way. Like did you feel that yourself that you are um that you're kind of you improved maybe as a group along the way. Yeah, look at I think uh, you know I think when you're when you're analysing any year I suppose unless unless you're winning Lee McCarthy, it's an unsuccessful year and uh, you know that's that's the harsh reality I suppose really um, and yeah I suppose look at you have to give Henry massive credit too for I suppose you know he's he's travelling up from. From Kilkenny, he's he has a family and a wife, and um, you know it's a massive commitment for him, and we have huge huge belief in Henry, and uh, all the players are 
are fully behind him. And, you know, I think people have to also understand that we're we're going through a period of transition and we've had, you know, Johnny Cohn and Aidan Hart and James Gell and, you know, Paul Clean and all, all these lads, you know, who were who were massive leaders in the group. And, you know, we have younger lads coming through from from an array of different minor teams and under twenty teams and we're still trying to pay them in and still very much a work in progress. And uh, you know, I suppose you know, Henry has managed to develop a couple of players and you know, I think it's still very much a work in progress as well. So Yeah. Uh so looking ahead to the final, um, Connor, will, will you go to it or, or will you watch it at home or, or what's the plan for you? Um, I'd say I'll probably go to it, yeah. I was up with it last year there as well. So um yeah, I'd say I'd say I'll probably go to it and you know, obviously having faced both the teams this year, you know, they they're two 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 very good teams and uh you know, they have I suppose in attack, they have have players that are you know in in flying form as well, and that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. To see Aaron Aaron Gillan, to see Owen Cody and see TJ and Hegarty and all these boys playing, and you know just just seeing how how that battle plays out. I suppose like when, really. you're, when you're at a game like that, like say last year, would you like? Is it hard when you're sitting there thinking I should be there, or, or are you able to sit back and enjoy it and maybe? Would you be looking at lads like Galan and Cody as inside forwards as well, seeing seeing what they do? Um, yeah, look at it's it's obviously very hard. Uh, it, I suppose it, it's very hard when you're when you're playing. I suppose um, I wouldn't actually watch a massive amount of hurling. I suppose really to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, look at it, it's 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 very hard to to sit back and enjoy it. Um, you know, knowing that. There is, there is the possibility that you could be there, but I suppose look, we had our chance and uh, we didn't do it. So you have to, you have to, I suppose you have to stand back and and say fair, fair juices to them too. And yeah, look at obviously you'd be looking at Aaron Gillan and Owen Cody and you know Martin Keown and these inside forwards and just watching what they do and you know see is there anything, anything that you can take from them and you know look at their their amazing players as well and stuff like that. So um, yeah, look at. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing how it how it plays out. I suppose having having faced both of them, I suppose really. Yeah. Um. I want to take you back to 2017. Um, when you played your first All Ireland final. Um, like it's obviously a huge, a huge, a huge day in in someone's life and in their career. And you've probably been dreaming about it since since you were a young lad. Um. And I know you played in in minor finals and so on. But does like on the week of All Ireland Senior Final Week, when it's your first week, first year playing, um, like were, were you able to were you able to sit back and enjoy that week, or, or do you remember much much about it? That was, are, are you talking about twenty fifteen, or twenty fifteen? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I was in college in Limerick at the time, and uh, yeah, Anthony asked me in, and I think uh, November, December, and it just. Just didn't really. It it just would have been kind of too hard to to handle it all. So I kind of I kind of left it off, and then he asked me again to come in. Then in I think March or April time, which is crazy, really, when you think about it now. Um, I think they had a game or two played in the Leinster Championship or something, and I just came in. I think I think that was the time. It was when you go back to your club and play two or three games or something in Galway. So. I went pretty well in the club scene and Anthony picked up the phone and rang me and 
I headed down training with with uh, with Colin Cannon, and I didn't really have a notion really what I was at. But um, yeah, sure, kind of snowball from there really, and we played a kind of a, a challenge game amongst ourselves in Turles. I think the week before playing Cork in the quarter final, and I ended up scoring a few goals, and then all of a sudden before I knew it, I was I was playing against Cork. I was making my debut, and sure, I didn't really have a clue really. Like I was just very much. An eighteen-year-old, you know, I was in first year college. I was tipping along. Um, yeah, I think I think I ended up going out and out in Lockray. I think that night after the after the quarter final, I think I think most of the boys went to town, which is what most most of the most of the most of the adults do. But um, I just ended up going to going to Lockray because that's where most of the boys are going. And uh, yeah, sure, look at it. Obviously, we. We bet tip in the semi final, and then you're in a in an other final. And I suppose at the time you probably don't really realize kind of like even how hard it is to get there. And uh, you know you're like I was I was playing with the lads, but you know I wouldn't have even known them all all that well really. But um, yeah, look, you you still look back and say, Jesus, you know, like we could have won it and we should have won it, but 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 we didn't. But uh, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a mad story, really, to be honest. In ways, because you're kind of saying like, Jesus, how did you even, you know, how would you even end up here? And then you're heading into, you know, you're heading back into the college scene, then, and all of a sudden, you know, like it's just a completely different, different ball game, and uh, you know, it's just something that when you look back, and it's just mad, like really, this that you just like if you had said to me in in March or April that you're going to be playing in an Ireland final against Kilkenny, I'd have like, you know, like. Well, what's the chances I suppose really so you probably were in college around the time of the final then like around sep- it would probably have been September back then am I right in saying yeah so, yeah, so like, yeah like Shane McGrath um, from Tipperary had a piece on RTE this week and he talked about the whole week to build up to the final and he said that some people they they they, they want the week to go as quick as they can and they just can't wait for the ball to be thrown in but he said he kind of embraced the whole People will be calling up to his house to wish him luck. And he said there was even some people in tears wishing him luck. There was more people on to him looking for tickets uh, for the match. And he said he kind of just em- embraced that and enjoyed all that. Um, like, how, how did you how did you deal with that in, in your first year? I can imagine in college there was a lot of people asking you about it. Yeah, I think at the time, uh, at the time, I'd actually, it was transferring up to Galway. So I don't know if I even, or they even in college really at that stage, to be honest, but... I um yeah it was it was mad yeah like you had people ringing you for tickets there and stuff and sure I didn't know anything about it like I I didn't have a clue like I was literally just just playing like and uh, yeah it was just it's just one of the mad things like where you know like I think obviously Galway being the final in twelve as well and you know there was massive belief in Galway um and you just said obviously people getting getting very very excited and. Uh, you know, I think there was a couple of journalists ringing my parents and stuff like that as well. And, you know, like that's something that like hadn't really, hadn't really planned for that really. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it really affected me too much because I was actually, you know, I was so, I so wasn't in that bubble that, it, you know, I was literally like, like what are all these people getting so, getting so carried away with, I suppose, really. But I suppose as time goes on, um, yes, I, I suppose you kind of realise how, how hard it is to actually get to a final and and I suppose how hard it is is to win them as well so yeah 
does it like is there does it come a stage um thinking back to 2015 again where it actually hits you like whether when you're on the bus and you're driving in through Drumcondra there or whether it's coming in and seeing some of the Galway fans in the streets going in under the, the tunnel like does it hit you at, at a certain stage or even when you walk out in the pitch and you're just like Jesus yeah like obviously when you're going around in the parade beforehand you're thinking like there's nowhere else there's nowhere else that I'd rather be here um I suppose, yeah, I was just really, really blessed. I suppose really that that Anthony and Eugene Clunan took the, and Pat Malone and Damien Hurley took the took the plunge of me really. But um, yeah, it's kind of one of them things like where you're just, I suppose, you're just you just can't believe really what's what's going on, and you're just like you haven't even got time to process it because if you spend time processing it, you're nearly going to. You're nearly. It's gonna do your performance. It's actually gonna hinder your performance. So it's really so. It's literally basically. I've got this chance. This is magic. Let's just go. Let's just roll with it and see and see where it finishes up. And unfortunately, it didn't end up the way that the way that we wanted. But um, yeah. Look, it's, it's, that's just that's just sport, really, isn't it? Now that you mentioned the parade, like when you're walking around there, like the hair would be standing on the back of your neck. Uh, as you're sitting in the stand, um, I think it was in in 2017 when a few uh, your friends had the the Wheelos Army flag up in up in the Hill 16. <laughs> like, would 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 you notice? Would you ever see people in the stands when you're walking around in the parade? Like, would you be would you be enjoying it that that way? Uh you wouldn't really. To be honest, you like on on a final day like that, the loud like the noise is so loud that you wouldn't even be able to hear on your teammates. But it's not. You know, it's not it's not specified noise really. Like it's just massive, like yeah. elation and noise, and it's just like everything is just like everything you do is almost like you know any action in the game comes with 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 a high pitch and noise because you know there's tension there and things are so nervous and stuff like that. But um, no, you're very much just clued into what you're doing and what you're trying to do, and uh, you know, trying to ensure that that uh, I suppose that your focus isn't get taken away from it, and uh, you know, I think uh, I think uh, I think I've seen that flag in in the stadium. Then afterwards, after we won in seventeen, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty mad stuff. Now, really, is it hard to get used to that? Like when you're maybe used to whether it's hurling club or um minor, say that there's there's not a huge noise in a stadium, and then like. And whether it's your All Ireland semi final or final the first day, that there's actually like just so much noise. Like it's probably just a different atmosphere to even hurl it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely completely different. You know, it's like I suppose they're they're the days that you dream of. I suppose really, and I suppose at this stage, I I've been lucky that I've played in 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 big finals, big games. I suppose that's you know that's the thrill that you're always chasing. You know, even even the semi final the last day, you know, big crowd there and. You know, those are the days that you want to perform and you want to play well in. And uh, yeah, look, it's it's you know, it's it's a huge honor as well. You know, I think that's something that gets lost sometimes is that you know you're you're absolutely blessed to be able to go and play for your county. And you know, every single one of us gives it absolutely everything we have. And you know, that's just you know, some days it goes for you, and and, and some days it doesn't. And you know, that's why you have to you have to savor the days to do, I suppose, really. Yeah. You mentioned there, like when you came on uh, first, when you were called in in 2015, that that kind of thing mightn't happen now. Um, and Michael Casey was talking during the week and he said that when he came back from 
he was out with the cruise ship when he came back that he'd noticed that the whole thing had had changed so much in terms of even just whether it's commitment or the type of training you're doing. He said Barry Nash, for example, was he was a corner back when he left and he was or as a corner forward when he left the corner back when he came back. Um, like since 2015, have you noticed much changes in in the preparation that way? Um, yeah, look at the, like, you know, conditioning and, um, you know, tactically and, you know, I, I think the game has changed massively, to be honest. Um, you know, there's a way bigger focus on, I suppose, crowd in the middle third now and focus on your own puckouts and opposition puckouts and working ball shorts and stuff like that. Whereas when I started in 15, you know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't really much working a ball short or stuff like that. And, um, you know, yeah, look at, the game has changed massively and it's, I suppose, you know, going back to your point, I think it's, I think it's consistently changing and, you know, who knows, who knows where, where the game is going next, I suppose, really. Yeah. Um, I was reading uh, Seamus Kennedy in 2019 did a diary for the All-Ireland final week and he said that one of his pre-match routines was that he'd go to the local river and he'd, of a Friday and, uh, just get in and kind of try and ease out the muscles, that kind of thing. Um, David Reedy was interviewed this week, the Limerick hurler, and he said, we're farming at home, so so I do a bit of work. Uh, some lads think I don't do that, and I'd like to disagree with him. But he said, it's nice to have that that switch, to go out on the farm for an hour, leave the phone inside and switch off. Um, do, you, do you try, like, when you're hurling and there is a lot of talk about it, do you have a, a way to switch off like that? Uh, or or how, how do you deal with it that way? Um, yeah, I suppose, look, we, we, have a, we have a family farm at home as well, but I don't know, do I usually, do I usually use it for, for that purpose, really? But um, I know, I suppose, look at it. Should not be out working I on the type farm? Of, uh, part time, part time is all. I know. In fairness, like I said, uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be hugely into the hurling. Like I wouldn't be massively into watching all the games and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, I just find I kind of just tip along and you know I play the games and just I suppose I I think I suppose your social circle is probably really important in terms of you know anyone you meet is kind of going through the game and analysing it for you. So, um. You know, I was doing a bit of a bit of subbing in a school here in Ballygard this year, and I was getting plenty of, I suppose, plenty of feedback and games there as well. So, um, mm. yeah, I suppose it kind of, I kind of have have friends there, I suppose, that are that are out of that circle. Um, so I spend some time away that way, and uh, the father's a the father's a, a block there as well. So we we give him some some credit for for some for some therapeutic. Uh, experiences as well yeah. away from away from the hurling and that as well so um yeah look at it i wouldn't be like you know i wouldn't be wanting to sit down and, and go through all the games the weekend and stuff like that so i suppose it just it just doesn't really really get that that loss to me i suppose really yeah a lot of people think it's it's over analyzed and obviously sitting here uh we, we we do a podcast here every monday we're obviously the ones guilty for that but there does be <laughs> there does be a lot of um talk and like would you would you would you try and avoid that kind of talk? Like I know Jackie Terrell was he was giving you a dig this year. Ah, <laughs> look at sure, like that's just I suppose that's just just part and parcel of the of the game. I suppose really, you know, you're like you're you're going to get criticism. 
you're going to get praise. Like that's just, you know, as, as someone said to me one time, don't get too high when it's going well and don't get too low when it's going bad. And yeah, like, like I wouldn't be on social media really that much to be honest. And, uh, so I probably wouldn't be seeing all your all your work and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's it's I suppose that's just part of the game, really, isn't it? And that's that's your job, I suppose, really. And you know, you can't go you can't go criticizing someone for for doing their job, I suppose, really. Um, one thing that's changed this year, uh, maybe the last two years, that there's no minor final um before the senior final. I don't, I think you played a you play you would have played a minor final before um. A senior final, like what? Did, what yeah, you, thirteen. What do, yeah. What do you did, like? What do you think of that? That the minor final is gone now that you're say a, a spectator this year. Like, would you prefer to be going seeing a minor final before the game as well? I think you would, yeah. And I like. I think you know. I think I've seen some there where, where somebody said it was like. I actually don't know where I seen that now, but someone said something about you know it's it's unfair to ask them to perform in Crow Park before before the senior final. And I think, I think that's what every minor grows up of dreaming about is is playing in Crow Park and playing before the senior final. And yeah, I suppose I played in one in thirteen, um, and yeah, like I played against Austin Leeson and 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 that Waterford team. And that's something that you look back on as as being one of the highlights. And you know, like I suppose they're they're starting their journey too. And I suppose you have to try and try and give them something to. To, I suppose dream of and you know giving them I suppose the piece before before the senior final is, is probably the perfect opportunity really and um you know I, I can even I can remember watching Shane O'Donnell when he was minor playing against I think Dublin and you know looking at him saying like you know geez he's he's a savage player like so yeah like I I, I can't see any reason why it's not uh why it's not on to be totally yeah. honest yeah um, you mentioned Galan earlier, and um, he kind of reminds me of you in 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 some ways. In that, like, well, uh, this this year, this year, the way he's hurling this year, like in previous years, he would have sometimes got involved in um, little things. He might have given a pulled a little stroke here or there, um, and that's all right. But this year, he's not reacting to anything, and that's something I've kind of noticed about you um, from from when you were hurling from a very young age that you just don't ever get involved in any uh, kind of whether it's pulling a stroke or whether it's kind of getting cross with a referee decision. You kind of seem to keep your head down and keep disciplined at all times. Uh, would you, would you, is that something you focus on? Uh, it's probably something, something growing up, I suppose. I, I think, I think my father would have probably put a, put an emphasis on just, I suppose, doing the job that you're supposed to do and I suppose my job as, as a forward is either to make a score or else take a score and I suppose anything else I suppose is probably taken away from that really and uh, you know I suppose everyone has their own different styles of playing and stuff like that but for me it's always just been very much so ingrained in me that the, the best way to get to get at somebody or the best way to I suppose up upset somebody is is to put the ball straight o- over the bar, I suppose, really. And that's just something that, you know, I just don't think there's any point in giving refs hassle. You know, I, I think it's it's a very, very tough job to do anyways. And, you know, I suppose logically speaking, is is there is there is there any point really? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I suppose look at it, I just I just go and go and play the game and I suppose I grew up playing the game and 
and loves playing it. And thankfully, I still love playing it. And you know, that's 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 what I'm there to to do. And um, yeah, I suppose that's just always always been the way. I suppose really. Yeah, and if you have cornerbacks niggling away at you, is it like is it hard to not just to, to just leave it? Um. I suppose, look, that's just kind of part and parcel of the game. I think there's always going to be bits and niggles and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, look, that's just that's just the way it is. And I suppose they're they're trying to do do their job, and I I'm trying to do mine. And you know, that's just very much. I suppose that's that is hurling in a nutshell. Really, you're you're trying to do your job, and he's trying to do his. And I suppose the way it goes, there's only only one. One winner and one loser. So locally, you just I suppose that's just my my mentality, and you just I suppose keep going and keep focusing on on the next ball, and that's just that's just the way it's, the way it goes. I suppose really. Yeah. Uh, last question before I get let you go. Now I've taken up enough of your time, Connor. Um, but <laughs> I want you to tell me who is going to win the All Ireland final, who is going to be man of the match, and who is going to be hurler of the year. Um, the triple threat there. Yeah, I think that's a tough one now, to be honest, putting a Miley. Uh who's gonna win? It's it's gonna be very, very tight. Um it's gonna be very tight. Uh he was at the final last year. Um looked like Limerick were gonna pull away a couple of times. Kilkenny always find a way to come back. Um but I just think I think Limerick's know how is gonna ring through. I'm gonna go with Limerick to win. Um I'm gonna go with I'm going to go with Gillan for man of the match and I'm going to go with Gillan for her of the year, to be honest. Um, yeah. They're my three my three punts. Anyways. I wouldn't be much of a, of a betting man now, but you're lucky. Um, you, can, you can give me a shout next week. I will see. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, listen, thanks a million for that, Connor. Yeah, great stuff from Connor there. Um, a huge week, uh, All Ireland hurling final week, and we we spoke a bit to Connor about it. Um, All Ireland hurling final day, and he talked about you know the butterflies coming in, um, coming into the stadium. His first time he experienced it in uh, two thousand seventeen. Um, I suppose thinking about the it came up uh, a small bit yesterday. Thinking about the day that is All Ireland final day, and. Yesterday we saw that um, there's going to be no hotel stays. Maybe that's something to do with the the price of hotels. Uh, that's probably for another show, not for the GAR, I don't think. But um, Kilkenny are going back to Kilkenny and Limerick are going back to Limerick. I know the Sunday game will be down there at their hotel, so we'll still have that. Um, but there is a few things like All-Ireland All Ireland, um, minor final was always on as the curtain raiser on uh, All-Ireland Final Day and it's the same with the football that was gone uh, that took place in the athletic grounds in Armagh before what two two weeks ago before mm-hmm. the um, All-Ireland Final so I don't know does it take away from a small bit of the do you know the pageantry I suppose of the the big day that is that or how are you how do you I suppose on the on the minor final First of all, do you, do you miss that as a, as a part of the big day? Yeah, I, I certainly miss it as part of a big day. And I always remember being a kid going to Crow Park and All-Ireland Final Day and even All-Ireland Semi-Final and seeing the Miners on first and rushing in to get to see the Miners. And you'd always have the match programme, you'd see their names on it. And me and my cousin Mark, we'd always go to every game where we'd try to remember a name on the sheet so and see if they played well, figure it out. And then we could say, oh, we spotted him way back when, you know, and, and 
act like the experts in, in the situation, but it does take away from it. It definitely does. It takes away from their experience, first of all, in the sense that, like, Crew Park, the thing about Miners at county level is that they're, they're not all going to make it through. In fact, you know, less than half of them are going to make it through. Um, so this nearly is the pinnacle of their hurling or football careers. And to say that they did it in Crow Park and got that, that match day experience and, you know, it's something that'll last a lifetime. So they're missing out on that. But having watched the uh, all our minor final in football, Derry and Monaghan, it was in the athletic grounds. And there, there was an, an added element to that already because it was two Ulster teams. So there's rivalry there. And in the athletic grounds, obviously, an Ulster ground. So they didn't have to travel very far. So you had a packed stadium. So the atmosphere was brilliant, in fairness, like and and. and watching it even on TV and, you know, hearing the crowd roar for every, like, referee decision. There was a sounding off in the game, you know, and, and you could really sense the electric energy in it. But I still think if you were to ask them where they'd rather play, I'd, I'd almost bet my house that they, they'd rather play in Croke Park Day. Like, it's just, it's part of the event. It's part of the, the whole, you know, reason that you go. And uh, coming, obviously, from Ulster, we get down as early as you can, you know, because you've got to get a parking space or whatever. And then, Sure, you just spend the day in Croke Park nearly anyway. And so instead of spending it, spending it, you know, with your dad at the bar or getting hot dogs at whatever price, um, you could be sitting watching uh, a great game of hurling. Yeah, I think like the Ulster final or the All-Ireland minor final, it nearly felt like an Ulster final. Like, would yeah. you have that same atmosphere at an Ulster final, say Monaghan against Derry? No, pro- probably not. I mean, because there was just so much on the line. Like, I mean, we, it still would have been massive. Um especially from Monaghan's point of view, you know, like there was just such an event to it, you know, mm. uh, Derry's coming, the senior team's doing so well. Monaghan were also in the semi-finals at this stage as well. So it just felt like everything was going right for these two counties and whatever happened in their minor final might be a little indication of what could happen. You know, is it going to be our week or isn't it sort of thing? Um, and then Derry got the better on that day, but Monaghan would be pretty happy with how things went as well. Yeah, I think the reason they changed it from the... Um, from it being a curtain raiser to the senior final is when they changed the minor from under seventeen, from under eighteen to under seventeen, that it might have been too big a stage for um, fellas who are so young. So maybe there is a, a thing in that. I'd say a lot of them they are they're so you know young lads. Yeah. And especially county minors, they're a confident. Yeah. They're a confident bunch. And oh my god! No. Probably. I I know I don't I don't really think like was what it's going to scar them or something you mm. know like here in this crowd like like a lot of the people that are going to be there the neutrals who are there for the actual final and they just happen to be watching you know they have no skin in it and then the people who are going to be watching and invested in it they'd be there anyway mm. and so if you're putting it in a, in a closer environment like uh, the athletic grounds you know they're going to definitely hear everything I don't really buy that because like you know the schools finals and everything like the Hogan Cup it's in Croke Park and what age are they then they must be about the same yeah. 17 16. Mm couple of 18-year-olds, maybe. Like, I think, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, definitely miss the minors being in, um, in Crow Park. Yeah, they probably would be all um, well able for for that. Yeah. And I know it was, it was always a, a very good part of the day that you just, there was maybe more of a focus on it. And it's probably for another um, discussion that it changed from under 17 to 18. And same from under 21 to 20. It probably has kind of diluted the age grades a small bit that way. Um, definitely for another episode. But like the All-Ireland Minor Hurling Final this year was in Semple Stadium, Clare, Beak, Galway. And it was still, it was a brilliant occasion. It was a double header with the under 20s. And I know there was a huge occasion last year um, when Tipperary beat Offaly in the Minor Final in Nolan Park. So it still is big, but it just, it it takes away from the, the whole experience of the, the day all Ireland finally a small bit and I suppose one of the added things in that too 
is that on All-Ireland final day, the Jubilee teams from the years gone by, are they're honoured and they have their moment where the team, they all line up mm-hmm. beside each other and they're introduced to the crowd. And there might be a few clips shown on the big screen of these players they are playing, these legends like. And remember last year, there was a, there was a lot of controversy, especially around the, the Clare team. The Clare team were honoured um, before Kilkenny and Limerick in the All-Ireland final. And, you know, they were waving to like an empty stadium and Donald Cusick yeah. was saying it was a disgrace. And it, it was really because, no, like if people were in for the minor game, this just a knock on effect. They would have been there yeah. and they would have been there to appreciate these people so um it's the same it's the Offaly team from 1998 who are being heralded um this this time and they won't have they mightn't have a, a huge crowd to wave at so it takes away from it a small bit just the the occasion no, um, it, well it turns that into like a tick boxing thing then oh you've, yeah. you've you know uh, we've celebrated them now and it's done dusted get on with it sort of thing whilst before because the crowd was there you know and you get a bit of a cheer and even the ones who, who went to the game and didn't know what jubilee it was going to be but once they find out they're like oh yeah do you remember him do you remember? and then it sparks a little damn conversations and a little bit of history gets brought up again and and that's what it's all about you're meant to be celebrating the past a little so it, de- it definitely dilutes that it does i suppose that's the the last uh i suppose we're, we're starting off on a bit of a, a moan here <laughs> yeah. but um the last thing is that they're they're not staying they're they're going home mm. um I know it was always a big thing in the past that they would stay and go to the children's hospital the next day in temple street and the the pictures would be brilliant on the paper yeah. next morning and I suppose like that was the tradition as well um, and chat to Connor about it there as well that you know you'd stay in, in Dublin and you might wake up the next morning kind of having a bit of crack up in Dublin a few early drinks and so on and you know that is probably a bit of crack too but um, look we're not going to spend um, the whole day giving out um one interview I was reading this week um, stood out was it was from the press day. Uh, Limerick's press day was John Kiley's, and what stood out about uh, John was like the, do you know he he doesn't he doesn't like to take the centre of attention really at all, mm. and he kind of even though he is the manager and he's the boss he like he he is always giving praise to someone else and he says um, I keep telling the boys they would have done all of this without me. I'm not a vital cog in the wheel, nor do I want to be. I shouldn't be. In an effective organisation around this team, they should be able to cope without me being present at all. And he went on and gave all the praise to Paul Canark, who's the team's coach, and says, Paul, he's just world class at what he does. I believe he could coach any sport and do so at the very highest level. His planning, attention to detail, communication skills. And a lot of people do say, you know, Paul Canark is... He's the mastermind behind this um, unbelievable team. But Kylie still is, you know, he, he's the man that brought it together. He's the man that got Paul Kinnark, um involved. So I, I suppose it's easy to see how the Limerick players get on so well with him when you have a man that's as, as, as you know, as genuine and as mm-hmm. not, it doesn't have a bit of, like not realising yeah. his own self-importance really yeah yeah I mean like I think uh, uh, you, can't, you can't win all Ireland unless you've got a really good manager like even if you have the players in the crop I mean there's so many brilliant teams out there that don't fulfil their uh, potential because they're not guided by the right person but like there is some elements to truth in what he's done in the sense that like these players can lead themselves and you can look at that in other situations I suppose even Derry obviously they lost their manager uh, but they were such a team full of leaders in, in the football uh, 
you know, that they were nearly able to just carry things on themselves. And it was a very much a player led thing. I know Kieran Mina came in and, and he was he, brilliant too. He was fantastic. Yeah. But it, it, his, his whole mantra was we're just keeping things as they are, you know, because once you nearly the most important thing of a manager when they come in is getting that culture right, setting down the ground rules, uh, what the expectations are, what they expect of you. I mean, it's it's all about maintaining that and not letting standards drop. And you always hear managers too. I think every manager now at all levels have a, a, a leadership group, you know, where they, they maybe the players vote for four or five players. They all, they're now the leaders. They all go in a group chat. The manager nearly delegates everything to them or whenever there's an issue, the players go to that group first. They see if they can solve it, and if they can't, then it goes higher again till the manager, and he obviously has final say. But you know, like it, it's it's almost like a democracy, nearly rather than um, a, a dictatorship as the modern manager. But it's still so so important. Like nearly that, the hardest part is getting those standards set and and everyone to buy in. And then once you get them in, and they can start running it nearly themselves to a certain degree, uh, that's when the success starts to happen. But he is a really genuine fella. Like he, I, I I enjoy listening to him and. Uh, you can see why they're all in when when uh, he he's in charge. He is genuine. You can you can see that in him, but he has the kind of the hard edge about him as well. And you can see that in some of his interviews, he can get cross, mm-hmm. like the one with the Nicky Quaid, the controversy that came out around that. John Kiley was, you know, he was going on as if it was crazy that he was being asked about this um, when when it was brought up. So he has that kind of he has that hard edge about him as well. Um, do you see similarities in between the way he manages it and the way that Jim Gavin managed Dublin in that they do talk a lot about, you know, the process and they talk about enjoying the moments and mm-hmm. all this. And um, they've obviously enjoyed similar levels of success to what that Dublin team have have done as well. So um do you see do you see similarities there between his management style and Jim Gavin's? Yeah, I do. And like I, I, I did a lot of reading on Jim Gavin and just even interviewing Dublin players and reading some of their books and and hearing about the six in a row and whatever else. And um, a lot of them they're all into these uh, you know psychological books now, and some of them are very popular. Um, one of them is Legacy, and it's all about the All Blacks, and because the All Blacks is like the most successful team in any sport like over the last 75 years or something uh the guy this guy wrote the book legacy and it's all about how it's all because it's a culture and you'll always hear them say this phrase and it comes from the book everything you do as a player is about leaving the jersey in a better place than when you've got it and how many times have you heard managers say that before and then when i read the book because everyone kept talking about it that was like one of the first lines and i was like this is where they're getting it from you know so it's nearly like a core thing that they're taking it from so they're all these sort of high performers and they're very much into like grabbing things by the root whilst before I think managers would have come in and nearly the job would be to run the balls off them and then scream at them in the changing room to get them so hyped up that they run out there and they're doing it for their county and for the jersey whilst now it's more of like not a robotic but like a it's a system it is a system but even the way that they think about things is like in a system and it's everything's about the here and now and like one of the things in the book as well was uh, is this win mantra so uh when or I what's important now so and then uh, that lead up to win like a, an anagram um and then everything's about taking you back to the present and it's like don't think about yeah. the mistake from previously like uh Kerry against Derry you know David Clifford gives the ball away to Brendan Rogers and within 17 seconds he scored a point himself you know from giving the ball away like he wasn't thinking about the mistake or losing himself and that and that's just the thing with these high performers and getting them 
tuned in correctly and, and, and into this uh, winning environment seems to be what these sort of managers are doing. Although I would say that he shows a little bit more personality maybe than Jim Gavin sometimes. You've never seen Jim Gavin lose the rag in any sort of sense of the word or give absolutely anything away in an interview to the point where it was just a little boring nearly. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely was uh, at different times. Uh, yeah, John can get excited at times, which I yeah. think uh, people do like that about him. Uh as well, um, just before we get into analysing the game, uh, one thing that uh, caught my eye and might interest you, Lee, uh, came from David Reedy, who was up for the Limerick Media Day this week. And he talked about this is a fella who um, was dropped off the panel, didn't make it initially under John Kiley, um, so went hurling with, with Kildare uh, under Joe Quaid, who is a Limerick man um, and uncle of the Limerick goalie, uh, Nicky Quaid. And, you know, he, he convinced him to hurl with Kildare and really burned it up for Kildare that year and was called back into the Limerick panel. And he said that one of the first things when he came back into the panel that was happening at that time was the uh, they had a boxing fundraiser event taking place between all the players. And it was only when he was talking about it during the week that I realised how serious they took this, yeah. that they were doing a lot of training, uh, you know, focusing on boxing and they had the bouts all lined up yeah and it was David Reedy against Aaron Galan and uh Reedy uh, described it uh this week he said I came out with a win though uh, I put him down once there was only one knockdown in the whole event Aaron Galan was down he said it was a slip uh but it wasn't <laughs> it was t- it was three two minute rounds um and I was way more nervous than anything uh I ever done so isn't that mad that yeah I was way more nervous than that than I, I ever done. Like he's coming into the Limerick panel, and you're nearly focusing on uh, like he's worried about boxing. Like yeah, and um, it is it is a form of trend that actually a lot of hurling teams do. Yeah, because I seen it on a clip earlier this week was from the Waterford team when um, Liam Cahill was their manager and Martin Bennett was in as a strength and conditioning coach and he had them doing the the boxing mm-hmm. as like a. A form of, I suppose, high intensity training that isn't uh, running, and you're probably less likely to pick up, uh, do you know, a soft tissue injury yeah. from it. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was mad, and maybe interest you. No, it does definitely. Um, boxing is. People find this strange to say because it's such a brilliant cardiovascular workout. Um, it helps your aerobic system because everything's, like, say you're doing what he did three two minute rounds. Like that's you do get a minute break in between that, so people think it's like anaerobic in the sense that it's like intervals training so high bursts and then a rest but it's not even because you're still working longer than you're resting so it's still aerobic as well so basically it attacks your body in all the different ways but you're so much less likely to get injured which people find strange because you're boxing this guy's actually physically trying to hurt you in the ring you're trying to hurt them but you don't get into the ring unless you know how to protect yourself first of all and there's so few like you like I never hurt my knee or my ankle or anything you know when you're doing boxing training like the worst really you get maybe an elbow injury from hitting the bag wrong or sometimes you can hit someone awkwardly and your wrist kind of goes but like injury ways you're way safer boxing which just sounds a little bit silly but I can so I can see why yeah. teams buy into that and getting their fitness right in terms of actually getting into the ring and doing it too and him being nervous like I get that completely I mean it's so individualistic and Ryan O'Donoghue was saying it on the show uh, a couple of days ago when we were talking about it's a boxing podcast now isn't it <laughs> um, but he was talking about like how nervous he would have been even before the fights and how like you know there isn't that team element it's just you when you lose you just lose and it feels like it's all on you but when you win you know you're the best thing in the world so you can just see like um 
there's huge, huge benefits to it. Uh, I, I can totally get why. And you're saying they did like a, so it's like a white collar event. Yeah. Yeah, like Kildare did one. And only because I was, had to get photos in Sportsville ages ago of Kieran McGinney when he was Kildare manager. One of the first ones that came up was him boxing in this white collar thing against Kildare players and coaches and stuff. And he won his fight anyway, going by the photos. But they were all black, blue and bloodied and they, they took it dead seriously as well. But I suppose yeah. if you throw what is essentially professional athletes into any sport, they're going to take it, you know, gun ho. <clears throat> yeah, it's obviously to a lesser extent that teams might use a training. Yeah. Um, like with pads at the end of training or whatever. But um, you can see the benefits in it from... The intensity, I suppose, that there is in GA nowadays that, you you know, winning a ball, it's, it's, it, you, you can only be going maybe for a small little burst. Yeah. But um, it's so fast and so explosive that the training uh, can definitely help you um, that way. Just uh, one more thing is uh, Killian Buckley's wedding. He's the Kilkenny, he'll come on as a sub. He came on as a sub the last day. He scored the winning goal in the um, Leinster final against Galway. Um, that amazing winning goal, but he's getting married the day before the game, which is uh, is unbelievable, really, when you think about it. Um, he had the day booked, the day booked, obviously from a good while out, yeah. and he was going on the basis that the All Ireland final took place last weekend last year, uh-huh. so had it booked for this weekend, which would have been perfect timing yeah. for a man the week after an All Ireland final. But to have it the day before is. Uh, it's absolutely sickening, I'd say. No, it has to be. Oh, it's poor wife to be, I suppose, because you nearly feel sorry for her more than anything. But um, oh, no, still, he could have planned better than that. Obviously, August would have been the safe bet because if there was a replay, it, and it was last week, and if there was a replay, it still would have been no hanging over them. No, I have very little sympathy. That was just poor planning. Everyone knows an inter-county player gets married at Christmas. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the rules. I was, I was at a um, Jerry Collins from Down a player. He, he got married at Christmas, and then... I was listening to another podcast, Brendan Rogers. He's getting married this December, and it was all for that reason. It's this. It's just December is the only time of the month where you can definitely not cross wires. But uh, I feel sorry for for his wife to be for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, there you go, uh, Killian. No sympathy for you here. I suppose. <laughs> look, he'll have a like the fact that Kilkenny are going down to back to Kilkenny the next day. I'd say yeah. that could be related to that a small bit that they're going down that night. Yeah. Do you know there'll, there'll obviously be Wally Walsh is his best man at the wedding and he's actually getting married the following weekend so he had a bit more uh, uh, he had a bit more cop on yeah, yeah he got um, sorted but well that's they'll... probably why you couldn't get married that week then there would be double booking yeah yeah, yeah. won't they have an so, um, they'll have a mad week I'd say oh yeah see the if, final well if they win it'd yeah. be a bit of a dampener he'd be in a mood in the honeymoon <laughs> yeah yeah but still be do you know they'll they'll be letting the hair down anyway oh but, absolutely um Definitely time to um, focus on the, the match here. So it is a Limerick-Kilkenny, obviously the same as last year. Um, Lee, I, I, I suppose I'll never forget, I've been at so many uh, All-Ireland Finals with Tipperary playing, but I'll never forget the atmosphere at the start of it last year. Just uh, the stadium full, the, the hair standing on the back of your neck, the teams walking around the pitch and everyone in the stands um, standing up and... You know, just an unbelievable day. So we definitely have a lot to, to look forward to on Sunday. Oh, no, absolutely. And then, like, there, there is that sort of element. You know, it's the same four teams again in the semi-final, uh, same teams in the final. So does it dilute the interest at all? But, like, pr- probably not, you know, because there's mm-hmm. still such a curiosity and, like, Limerick maybe aren't as, uh, like, invincible looking this time around as they were last year. And then with Kilkenny, there's new management. You know, there's so many new narratives and stuff. Do you think it's just as interesting? I suppose when it was the same four teams in the semi-final, 
when you discovered that it was a little bit uh, here, like yeah. here we go again there's no there's no new narratives to the games um and obviously this the semi-finals were brilliant um Limerick and Galway was brilliant Kilkenny and Clare was brilliant but it was a little bit yeah like you could have done with a fresh team in there could have done with yeah. Tipperary or Cork just to to freshen it up I'm sure um the teams that were were in there were delighted um the same final again it was the National League final this year as well. It was the All-Ireland Hurling final last year. So they've proved themselves to be the two um, best teams in the land. And on top of that, going back to 2019, uh, Limer- Kilkenny are the only team to beat Limerick, like this Limerick team, to beat them in a knockout game. Mm-hmm. I know um, Clare beat them in the Munster Championship this year and Tipperary beat them in 2019 or 2020. Um, 2019. And, you know, so Kilkenny... They put it up to Limerick brilliantly last year. Um, and I suppose that there, there is an excitement to that because you just know that with Kilkenny, even against Limerick, and even if Limerick are brilliant, like they were in last year's final, Kilkenny are the type of team that they will just hang in there. Yeah. They're just brilliant at hanging in games, getting scores a little bit easier than the opposition. And that's just what they do. So um, you would expect a tight game. Yeah, and and do you think Kilkenny are, are better set now this year than last year? Even just things like, like I'm obviously I, I have to sneak a Tyrone example into everything, but you know, like and Mickey Hart was in charge for so long, and he got the team into a really really good place. But then when Brian Durham and Fergal Logan took, it just seemed that that freshness was literally all that was needed to just to click on to that next level for that 2021 season. Uh, sort of similar situation. Brian Cody's Kilkenny manager for got decades. And now there's just that bit of, even though he, he got them to the final last year, you know, they lose by two points or something. Yeah. Um, and they've got just this new freshness in with it. And, and like, would that nearly be enough to get them over the line? Does that change much? It has to make a difference. Um, they, like, un- it, it doesn't seem like much has changed. Yeah. Like, and watching that Clare game, um, that was the thing. It didn't seem like anything had changed really because it was the same Kilkenny that we're used to just going till the very end like you think of Owen Murphy's great save Connor Fogarty's block on Mark Rogers and the way he reacted to that he didn't react at all um, do you know that this is just what Kilkenny do that they grind these games out mm-hmm. and it's been the same and Derek Ling was, was, was saying that this week that you know he didn't have to reinvent the wheel when he went in um, like it wasn't broke so so you don't have to go and you know change things um, completely so um, but I do think like Derek Ling has, has obviously done a brilliant job. He served his apprenticeship under Cody, worked as a, as a selector for four or five years, went with the under 20s for three years and won the All-Ireland last year. So that, um, you know, that was a, a good boost for him. And maybe that was the reason he got the job. Mm-hmm. But he does strike you as a similar sort of character to Cody. He's... You know, there's no there's no side shows. He doesn't make anything about himself. It's all based on in you hear his post match interviews, it's like Cody, it's on the work rate. It's that's the what Kilkenny do and uh, not much has changed. But just that little bit of freshness probably has um kicked him on a small bit too. Yeah, and you say like one of those post match interviews here is like I think a lot of people would say, you know, you've done well to get to a final or whatever. But I think for this group, for ourselves, we're really looking to put in a performance that wins us the game. That's the reality of it. And that's what we're we're aiming for. I think the game is something that we have to attack rather than fear going into it. So he isn't settling with like a, you got to the final, all the pressure's on him, replacing Brian Cody. But, you know, if he's 
technically done just as good a job as Brian did last season, minimum. Um, but he's not settling for that. No, like he was speaking about it in the media at the Kilkenny Media Day last week down in, in Langton's Hotel. And he just said that this is the expectation. If you don't win the All-Ireland in Kilkenny, this is a bad year. And it, it's it's a little bit harsh um, because they've won a Leinster title. They got to a league final. That's a good, that's a, a very good start for any manager. But um, it just shows the 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 standards that are in Kilkenny and the expectations. And that's what it is about them, I suppose, that keeps them coming back because they, unless they win the biggest prize of all, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. And you have to respect it. The high standards that they have for themselves, the high standards that they always reach. And uh, he's, he's definitely kept that up. No, absolutely. And then just on Kilkenny, you know, there's some changes to the team. Uh, David Blanchfield in for Kerry, John Don- Donnelly in for Keane Kenny, Tom Fielding in for Connor Brown and Connor Fogarty for Walsh. Mm, do you, all Walsh yeah. yeah, does that all make sense to you, like, or do you think? Yeah, well, Connor Brown is, he's emigrated. He's gone travelling. Uh, Mikey Carey was um, sick and he missed, he, he was gone travelling, but was sick then and missed um, the Clare game because of it. And it's in back in time for for the final. So David Blanchfield, I suppose, he's he's starting his first um All Ireland final and well you you you'd imagine he'd start. He's had a, a slight bit of a knock in the last few weeks. But when he came on last year he caught two balls and one in particular caught it over Garrod Hegarty and drove it straight over the bar. Um so you would imagine that he'll be a matchup now for Garrod Hegarty, who hasn't been on the same form that he was on last year. Just hasn't looked as sharp and we know what he did in the final last year. He scored 1-5, scored an unbelievable goal in the first few minutes. So Blanchfield's a big man. He's very good in the air and you'd imagine he'll be tasked with, you know, stopping Garrod Hegarty. Um, so that looks positive for Kilkenny from from the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be, that'll obviously be good. And I suppose... Connor Fogarty, like he showed in the semi-final that block he made from Mark Rogers. Uh unbelievable and he's so he's 33 but he's still so fit and so strong um and you know a bit like he, he's a workhorse in the middle of the field so he'll get a, a lot done um Paddy Deegan was on Hegarty last year it might switch the role up for him with because uh, Hegarty did so well and Deegan was a bit loose on him so Blanchfield would be on him you could have Deegan going out to midfield uh Connor Fogarty going back to to wing back so I suppose they're the things. Tom Phelan, um, as you mentioned, he has he has impressed at, at different stages. It's an it's a new ball game, obviously, against Limerick and mm-hmm. it will be a bit of a step up, but he has impressed, deserves his place. Um and yeah, Park Walsh will be coming in off the bench this year. He started centre forward last year. He scored a late point against Clare and he's a great lad to be bringing off the bench for, for Kilkenny. So yeah, maybe maybe they are in 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 a slightly better place, um, I suppose, than what they what they were like. Uh, and I suppose you have to consider too that Limerick are missing Sean Finn, mm-hmm. probably the best corner fo- cornerback in the game. Done so done so well last year in the All Ireland final, so they won't have him. Like he would be, there's no doubt about it. He would be on own Cody, uh, who's probably vying with Aaron Galan for her of the year. 1-6 in the semi-final against Clare. Mm-hmm. So he, Sean Finn would be the man for him. Now it's probably going to be Mike Casey. So will Mike Casey be able for Owen Cody? Like that's a, 
definitely a matchup that Kilkenny will be targeting that Owen Cody, I'm not saying Mike, Mike Casey uh, won't be able for him, but Owen Cody is on such form that maybe who who's going to be able for him? Yeah. So the loss of Finn will, will definitely come into it and whether Hannon gets back, that's that's another thing. And then on Galan, who do you think? Hugh Lawler? Hugh Lawler will be on Galan, yeah. They had a great battle um, last year. Uh, Lawler won the first few balls, won a free off Galan and then classic Galan, I think there was around 10 minutes gone and he cat claws the ball out of the sky. Just a boom and delivery from Sean Finn. Catches it and leaves Lawler there. He's gone on the turn before Lawler knows where the ball is and only he'd lost his hurl, he would have been in for a goal. He kicked it over the bar um, then. But um, yeah, it's, that'll be some battle. Probably the best full forward and the best full back in the game. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, Gillan is so cute. And we've seen it against Dahi Burke catching the ball over his head, kind of going on the turn, coming in behind, coming in, you know, just having defenders in in front of him and leaving them like sitting ducks in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and swipes it over their head and it's a goal straight away. So will Hugh Lawler attacks the ball. Um, he likes to, you know, really power into it. Mm-hmm. So you wonder, will Galan, Galan is, is just so clever. Yeah, the cleverest player I've ever, I don't, I think I've ever seen the way, the way he wins these high balls. So will, will he have a bit of cuteness on Lawler? That remains to be seen and it'll be, a, I can't wait for that battle to be honest, most of all. Yeah, well, I'm getting really excited just thinking about it. So I'm happy to hear your prediction. Who's going to win? Who's going to win the game? Uh, who is going to win the game? Uh, You'd have to go with Limerick, and I'm going to say Limerick by uh, two points. And the man of the match will be, uh, I know you haven't even asked me this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, <laughs> the man of the match will be Aaron Galan, and he'll be her of the year as well. Okay, well, much like Oshie McConville to Mickey Hart, just because you picked Limerick to win, I'm going to pick uh, Kilkenny, just to be the opposite of you. And in that way, at least someone on the GAR is going to be right. Uh, really excited to see the final. We'll do a review show on Monday, so be sure to tune in then. Thanks to Niall for coming on the show. Thanks to Connor Whelan. And thanks to our sponsor, Sure 72 Hour Protection. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Sure 72 Hour Non-Stop Protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic t-shirts, soft, structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim, all made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.